Welcome back to another amazing episode of the KBL Podcast. I am your host and friendly librarian, Ryan Drinkard. Unfortunately, Jagisha was only able to join with me for the author interview segment of this episode. But fear not members of her fan club, Jagisha will return next week. Did you know Hispanic Heritage Month started this week? Well, the KPL Podcast did, and we are celebrating. This week, we are joined by one of my recent favorite authors, Elizabeth Acevedo. She will be discussing her latest book, Clap When You Land, as well as giving us a reading. We'll also continue celebrating with fellow librarian Maggie Miller, who will be sharing recommendations of fantastic books by Hispanic authors. All this and more, so stay tuned. Jagisha and I are most excited to welcome our very special guest to the KPL podcast. Elizabeth Acevedo is a multi-award winning author of The Poet X and With the Fire on High. Her latest book, Clap When You Land, has recently been released. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So for our listeners at home, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? I was born and raised in New York City, and I currently live in Washington, D.C. I hail from Dominican parents, and I've been a poet um, for as long as I can remember. Even before I knew how to write, <laughs> I was attempting to make up songs and, and trying to memorize them. And so the idea of storytelling has been in me for a long time. So we've actually talked a bit about your latest title on the show in a previous episode. Uh, so I think the more astute listener will remember Clap When You Land being on Ryan's book recommendation some weeks back. But would you, without giving away any spoilers, tell us about the plot? For sure. Uh, I'm going to say that there are things people think are spoilers that I just think are the premise. And so <laughs> if I spoil anything, just know that wasn't a spoiler then. <laughs> um, Clap When You Land is a story that follows two sisters, Yahaira and Camino and they do not know about each other. One lives in the Dominican Republic, one lives in New York City, and their father had a secret family, right? It's unclear which one of the siblings is technically the secret. And the novel is loosely based on an actual event. In 2001, there was a plane crash in New York. Um, this was two months after the World Trade Center attacks on September 11th, and this flight was on its way from New York City to the Dominican Republic. And that, that crash fundamentally changed, I think, how Dominicans in New York um, saw themselves and saw themselves in the fabric of the United States. And I was 12 years old. And I remember vividly what that moment felt like, all of the tragedy that as a Dominican New Yorker we had felt. And I've carried that with me for a while. And so this novel is, is thinking about people who survive, right? Who don't, what, what happens to, the descendant of people who have died tragically and these two sisters whose father dies on a plane crash have to not only figure out how to navigate the secrets he left behind, but also the kind of women that they want to be. When I was reading, I had read that it was based on a true story and I found that absolutely fascinating. So it's, uh, it's fantastic to get that confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Um, it's the second deadliest crash in American history, but very few people know about it. And it was, um, it happened on the ground. And so not only was it all 218 passengers, but it was five people on the ground. And so it's this, you know, story of what's interconnected, I think, because it was so close to a, a terrorist attack, there was, there were thoughts that it was also terrorism. And once it was determined, it was mechanical error. It was um, fascinating to see how the interests changed. 
And so I think there's a lot wrapped into the actual events that I pulled from um, in order to write the novel. Very interesting. This book is written in verse instead of prose. Um, do you know, I mean, I, I think Poet X was also done, written that way. So do you just prefer that way since you are a, are a poet? I guess you define yourself as a poet. I like formats that best serve a story. And so I don't go in thinking, oh, this one is going to be verse or this one is going to be prose or I feel better in verse or prose. I think I just try to uh, consider what's the best container for this story. And, and for me, verse allows a lot of interiority. It allows a lot of getting as close to the, the character and really ruminating with them for a while. So novel about grief that you are navigating both what do you want to look at and also how do you look away from something that is so intense. Verse makes sense, right? Because each of the poems allow for these, these snippets of intense emotion, but, but without necessarily trying to be as chronologically tied as a, a prose novel would. Or in a prose novel, you may not allow 15 pages of sitting with a character while they don't look at the thing that that is hurting them. I think there are a lot of things that poetry gives us room for. Uh, a novel like With the Fire on High, which was my second novel, had a large cast. There were a ton of characters. I knew I needed her to travel. I knew she was really voicey and I wanted her voice to come up across so there was going to be a lot of dialogue. Prose holds that better, right? It just is a better container for dialogue and multiple characters and trying to paint um, scenery for three pages. And so I think I just try to lean into the writing that best um, pushes forth the narrative. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Because I think the emotion really comes across when a, a book is written in verse. I think you get deep, a deeper connection to the character. At least that's how I feel when I read books in verse. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things with novels and verse is that we haven't done a lot of analysis. You know, it's been a form that's been around for a long time. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, Aurora Lee was probably the, the first one I know of, verse novel written in the 1800s. But folks don't really take into account that, like, a lot of us are just figuring this out. And so I believe, you know, you can't put an adventure story in a verse novel because it's too much movement where you want to sit with a character. But I'm sure there's going to be someone that upends that theory and, and you know, write <laughs> a, another odyssey, a modern day, you know. And so okay. I, I'm interested to see. But those are my rules. <laughs> if there's adventure or too much adventure, it's probably prose. <laughs> I can see comic books written in prose. That might be fun to see comic book heroes and or graphic novels maybe written in prose. You get the pictures and the prose, or I'm um, sorry, not prose, verse. It's very similar. I know a lot of folks when trying to attempt a verse novel, they will first begin reading graphic novels because of the idea of needing to see things in very quick, almost snippets, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what we do yeah. with these uh, these stanzas. And so that that tends to be the way that people figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think. I'm like, surely there must be, but I couldn't come up with anything off the top of my head. Yeah, I will. it'd be fascinating to see how it's laid out if you had verse and then images coming in and out. I think that could be really cool. And, and frankly, I, I don't get enough of uh, verse in my literary diet. So I, I would completely agree that, that, that it served the format fantastically for Clap When You Land, that it was much more emotional in that fashion. I, I quite enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for recommending it. Oh, it, it, I, I do it all. And I'll do it again. All listeners, read this book, Clap When You Land. Fantastic. This is my favorite interview yet. Awesome. Multiple <laughs> oh, plugs, yes. <laughs> oh, you know, being a librarian, we get to read a lot. And if there's one thing that we enjoy doing the most is recommending books that, that, has, that ends up on our staff recs and has meaning to us. And I, I really enjoyed your book. So thank you. Thank you. 
And so to that point, uh, being librarians, we eat, sleep, and breathe book recommendations. So Elizabeth, what are you reading currently or what should we be reading right now? Um, I recently finished Ocean Vong's uh, On Earth, We Were Briefly Gorgeous, which is a, a novel in prose, but Ocean is a poet. And so there was just so much beautiful language and I did the audiobook, so it was having what felt like poetry just in my ear for eight hours. It was amazing. So I highly recommend that novel. I am just starting Grown by Tiffany Jackson, um, which I'm excited about, but I also imagine it's just gonna break my heart. I mean, Tiffany Jackson is one of the best, I would argue, plotters in YA. I think she's just writes a tight story and, and she really hones in on the stories of black girls that we just do not often read, right? And so I, I'm really excited for Grown. And I'm trying to think there's so much coming out that I'm like really hyped for. <laughs> Um, but they just announced, they just showed the cover for Safia Ohello's Home is Not a Country. Safia is a Sudanese-American poet, and um, her first novel in verse for YA is coming out in 2021. And I had a, an amazing opportunity to, to blurb it, and I just highly recommend if someone is looking for the next thing to pre-order, uh, Home is Not a Country is it. Yeah, that one I thought particularly looked interesting. I think I came across it recently through one of like the Publisher Weekly uh, publications or something along that lines and put that one on my list as well yeah. because it just looks great. And I think that that's a novel that is uh, pushing against my theory. That that does have a lot of adventure. It has magical realism. She's uh, chasing after a djinn. And so it's it it really takes what I'm saying and, and attempts to stretch the adventure in. And so I read it kind of being like, all right, let's see how other folks approach it. And I think Safia does an incredible job. What are you currently working on and could we get a sneak peek? Well, I am currently working on an adult novel. And um, this is my first time really writing for adults. It has six point of views. It is loosely based on my mom's life. It is really difficult right now to write contemporary fiction because like who knows where the earth is gonna be in three years and like what reality will be so trying to write towards a reality you cannot even begin to contemplate is difficult so I won't read any of that because it'll probably just be really sad and like tragic <laughs> but I'm really happy to read from clap when you land if um that works or oh we'd love to would you be so kind yes yes all right and I I will have to come back when that other book is closer to finished and give you a sneak peek then awesome okay <laughs> Clap When You Land, uh, this is an excerpt from Clap When You Land, and it is in Camino's voice, the sister who lives in the Dominican Republic. And it's the very first page of the novel. I know too much of mud. I know that when a street doesn't have sidewalks and water rises to flood the tile floors of your home, learning mud is learning the language of survival. I know too much of mud how Thea will snap at you with a dish rag if you track it inside, how you need to raise the bed during hurricane season, how mud will dry and cling stubbornly to a shoe or a wall to Viralata the dog and your exposed foot. I know there's mud that splatters as a motoconcho drives past, mud that suctions and slurps at the high heels of the working girls I once went to school with, mud that softens unravels into a road leading nowhere, 
And mud got a mind of its own, wants to unwrap your penny loafers, hug up on your uniform skirt, press kisses to your knees and make you slip down to meet it. Don't let it stain you, Diaz always said. But can't she see this place we're from already has its prints on me. I spend nights wiping clean the bottoms of my feet, soiled rag over a bucket, undoing this mark of place. To be from this barrio is to be made of this earth and clay, dirt-packed, water-backed, third world smacked, they say. The soil beneath a country's nail, they say. I love my home, but it might be a sinkhole, trying to feast quicksand, mouth pried open. I hunger for stable ground somewhere else. Most Very people. nice. Thank you. So for our listeners who want to learn more about you, what do you recommend that they do? My website has updates and the ability to contact me. And that's my last name, Acevedo, A-C-E-V-E-D-O, writes w-r-i-t-e-s.com and you can also find me on instagram by the same handle acevedo writes our guest today was elizabeth acevedo her latest title clap when you land as well as her previous titles are available through your kirkwood public library and wherever fantastic books are sold elizabeth thank you so much for joining us today thank you have a good one and you If there is a silver lining to this pandemic cloud, it's the amount of virtual programming I've been able to attend. I'd like to take a moment to recommend to our listeners to visit HispanicHeritageMonth.gov for a wide assortment of virtual programming put on by the Smithsonian, the Library of Congress, the National Archives, and many others that you can enjoy this season since attending in person is just not possible. That's the HispanicHeritageMonth.gov. We'll also be including a link in our show notes. Ah, I do so love programming. Welcome, listener, to the reader advisory portion of our program. We will be sharing some recent and all-time favorite Hispanic heritage titles that have meant the world to us. Jagisha is unable to join me today for this segment, but picking up her baton and running with the hosting duties is fellow librarian Maggie Miller. Maggie, thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure. Um, So, would you like to kick us off? Sure. The first book I have to recommend for you all today is the first in a series. It is called Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older. And it is a young adult series, an urban fantasy series, about a young artist named Sierra Santiago from Brooklyn who learns that she has inherited the power to give her art life and emotion, and she has to stop these shadowy figures who are trying to steal this power from people like her. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love this fantasy, especially YA fantasy. They get it right all the time. Yes. So when you say it comes to life, is it kind of like Night of the Museum? That the... uh, or... It's in some ways, some of it is very like two dimensional. She first notices it when she sees murals in her neighborhood start to cry and change their expressions. But there's also scenes where like she'll draw a stick figure on the wall and it will spring up to defend her. So it's all sorts Ah. of magic. Like the purple crayon, I guess. Yeah, a little bit like that. (laughs) I remember thinking that it was inherently creepy that, you know, like I think I would be, (laughs) I think the first thought in my head was like, uh oh. 
it's oh dangerous. No, what have I done? <laughs> Yeah, and it does, the series does a really good job of marrying real life from Brooklyn and New York and issues like living in a big city and gentrification with the magic of this adventure. That sounds like a good read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for a recommendation that I have today, there's a movie that I've always meant to watch. It's a part of the Criterion Collection and just somehow or another life got in the way and I only recently watched it this year. It is... Guillermo del Toro's Kronos, which is a very fantastic film. That's a uh, veteran Argentinian actor Federico Lupi, Lupe, I believe is how he's pronounced. I apologize if I've gotten it wrong. And American actor Ron Perlman. It's kind of, well, it's extremely hard to explain, and I don't want to give away the, the ending, but it's basically about like an antiques dealer who finds a crazy device that basically exists to prolong human life. And they kind of become... It's not really... A, it's kind of a vampire film, in a way, without actually expressly coming out and saying it's a vampire film. Mm-hmm. But like many of Del Toro's films, it is gorgeous to look at. Yes. He, he does a wonderful job at that cinematography. And this was made in the early 90s, and I believe it's his first film, uh, although I could be wrong on that. But like all of his films, it's an incredible adventure, and even though it has like clearly has a lower budget than some of the stuff that we are more accustomed to him from, you know, he still makes a lot of very beautiful visual moments in that film. Yeah, he does a really incredible job with marrying the monster or supernatural movie with the beautiful cinematography. I completely agree. Like, pretty much even the films that I don't really care for, like... I mean, I like Hellboy okay, but I would never run out and say, everybody go watch Hellboy. I will say that Ron Perlman is amazing in it. Uh, and um, Selma Blair. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's, she could, which is a fantastic choice for that character who, if I read the comics, the name I suddenly forget. It's not one of the best, but it's still visually beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have another for us? Yes. I would, I would also recommend anything that Isabel Allende ever wrote because she is an incredibly prolific Chilean novelist. One of my favorites. She's amazing. And she's done so many different kind of genres, too. She's done some magical realism, some historical fiction. She's written at least one thriller. So no matter what you like to read, you can find a book by her that you'll absolutely adore. And my favorite by her is her take on Zorro, which is just such a fun swashbuckling read. Oh, yeah. Such a, well, fantastic character. Exactly. And, yeah. So for my next one, it's a it's a new book that came out. Uh, it's called Children of the Land, uh, and it's by Marcelo Hernandez Castillo. This came out earlier in the year. It is a biography. It's a memoir of uh, he grew up to be a poet and an immigration advocate, and it's basically about his story on on how he came to this country undocumented and how that experience ends up shaping his life, how his family have to deal with it. It's it's a very traumatic book, but there's a lot of heart in it. Uh, it is the story of you know, an immigrant here in America and what the trials and tribulations that they have to face on a daily basis that I'll never understand. But it's certainly an eye-opening read, and I, I feel like it's... like. Now more than ever, you know, these books are so important. It certainly gives me 
a different outlook on certain things, and it's it's eye opening. And I would highly recommend it. It's called Children of the Land. I recommend all of you. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Memoirs can sometimes cut to the heart of that more than something just like the nightly news or journalism ever could. Oh, complete. It's basically like it's immersive. That mm-hmm. you are getting it from the source. That this is the person who's lived it. My last recommendation is one by an author that I believe you all have spoken to recently. I bet I know who you're going to talk about. Yes, so it is The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, and she, I believe, was interviewed on this week's podcast. She is. You'll be sharing, uh, you'll be sharing guest space with Elizabeth Acevedo. Yes, we, we spoke with her, and oh, I was so excited. She's one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, Clap When You Land is so good, uh, but please talk about The Poet X. Yes, so this was one of her earlier books, and it's a really beautiful coming-of-age story, which is written entirely in verse, which is not something I have read too much of, but was a different and very cool experience, because her main character is a young poet who's struggling to find her voice and find a way to write and be heard, so it's a really interesting way to take that journey of someone trying to develop their poetry being told through poems. I have not had the pleasure of reading The Poet X, but that is one that I like. I definitely want to get to. And when reading Clap When You Land, I, I went out to the, you know, the internet and looked up like poetry readings that she, that she has performed, and they are just fantastic. I'm not a person who gets a lot of poetry in his diet, but I should watching that. That's just so powerful. She's amazing. All of her poetry seems like it's amazing, so I will definitely also have to check out Clap When You Land. All right, well, I'll read The Poet X, and you can read The Clap When You Land, and we can get we can touch base later. Sounds good. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Maggie. It was a pleasure chatting with you about such awesome books and film. Thank you, and I hope you and all of the listeners enjoy Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Well, we've arrived at the end of our audio celebration, which leaves me just enough time to thank our very special guests, author and poet Elizabeth Acevedo and fellow librarian Maggie Miller. And we sign off with the wise words of Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Experience has taught me that you cannot value dreams according to the odds of their coming true. Their real value is in stirring within us the will to aspire. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll see you next week.